What's up, guys? Hope you are feeling alive right now. My name is Micah Canale, and I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. I'm joined with my wonderful husband and co-host Josiah Canale. Hey, Josiah, thanks hey, for joining us yeah, today. You got it, Josiah. Would you be willing to introduce our new guest and friend today? You got it. Today, really excited to be joined for this episode on the show by Carson Case, and Carson is a young husband, young pastor, uh, a young adult leader, and has led for the past three years a movement of young adult ministry on the East Coast, uh, the coastal Carolinas, impacting universities and churches there, and recently published the book, Born For It, which was published by Zondervan, and uh, he's our new friend. Our paths crossed this past summer, and really excited. So. Welcome to the show, Carson. We're glad to have you here and talk life, leadership, young adult ministry. What's up, guys? Thank you so much for having me. Um, again, I appreciate it a ton. I'm super excited to, to chat a little bit today. Awesome. Well, we're so excited to have you here. We just want to dive right in because we want to honor your time and the listeners. Um, so we're going to start talking about creative um, aspects of young adult ministry. And Carson, we view you as a creative, um, not only on the platform, but behind the scenes from um, anything from Instagram to book writing and all those different components that God has blessed you with. So Carson, would you be willing to just share some fun things with you? Uh, we're still getting to know you, obviously, and we want our audience mm -hmm. to know you as well. So would you be willing to share your story of how Jesus found you and your journey in young adult ministry and what that has looked like over the last few years? Oh, yeah. So, man, it's been a crazy journey. Um, you know, I'm in the Carolinas now as you guys spoke, and, and thank you for that intro. Oh, yeah. Um, Coastal Carolina is the place that I landed at for college, but I'm not from the Carolinas. So born and raised in Little Rock, Arkansas, um, left Little Rock, Arkansas when I was 18 years old to go to college um, out in South Carolina. But when it comes to upbringing, when it comes to my story, um, man, athletics was a lot of my life growing up, athletics and family. Um, growing up in the South, you know, football was a thing faith was the thing but I think as I've um as I've grown as I the Lord saved my life at 17 years old I could tell you know the Bible belt and and Christianity in the south was very different um it was kind of you know check your box get to church and then be about life and family and sports and just um move on with it and so for me um I was, I was playing ball. I was playing football and basketball in high school um, at a high level. I planned to play college sports, particularly college football. And, um, you know, it's, it's crazy. I've told this story so many times. But it always gets me because, you know, as I sit here now, I'm 24. I'm a, I'm a new husband. And just, to, you know, when you look back, when you tell these stories, you're like, wow, God's been faithful. And I don't even understand how I am. And if not only for God's grace, I had a crazy football weight room injury. Um, I had back surgery at 17 years old. And that kind of catapulted me into what I'm in now, life of the Lord. I mean, fullness um, of Jesus and just being rescued because I had that surgery. Um, I was told I could never play sports again. So any any 
attitude or posture I had towards college sports and just moving on and getting out of Arkansas um, in that way, it, it was different for me. I had no clue what to do, and Jesus saved me on a cheap path. I think in the past five or six years, you go to college, you meet a lot of people, you build a lot of relationships, and, and that was fun. It was hard, too. I mean, I think for people listening, those first few years, I've been following Jesus for about five or six years now, but those those first few years, there was a lot of maturity. Um, I started to recognize, hey, you know, I was a leader on the football field. I was a leader on the basketball court. I was a leader sometimes in the classroom, too. So I could I could sniff the leadership that I believe I was blessed with. Um, but I think utilizing that leadership by the Holy Spirit um, and listening to the Holy Spirit and listening to what God had for your life, that was something that really transpired for me in my college years. And then through that, we began leading some young adult ministry um, along the coastline. And now for these past three years, as you guys said, three years strong. And, and so that's kind of been, in short, my story. I mean, an injury, Jesus rescued my life in 2012. And then now as we sit here, man, 2019 time flown. And, uh, and God's done so much. And I'm just, I'm grateful for God's grace and um, my close friends and family and people around me who have just kind of uplifted um, me and spoken into my giftings and what God has had for me. Carson, that's amazing. And it's fun to hear that story, that journey, that narrative, because we're all on a journey. Yeah. And God who began a good work in you is going to be faithful to complete it. And Hebrews talks about how Jesus is the pioneer and also the perfecter of our faith. So pioneer is like this new work, new ground, new territory, a new adventure, but then not only is Jesus going to start things, he finishes things that he starts. The cross is a great example of Jesus mm. finishing things he starts. Our lives, our very testimonies, we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony, and our testimony is about God's glory, and it's it's just a reminder, a symbol that God not only pioneers, but he perfects. And that doesn't mean we're perfect, but he is perfect and we become more like him. And one of the things that I know has just happened in, in your life, as well as a lot of the listeners, um, probably either just went through transition, are yep. going through transition right now, or will go through transition, and this could be a back pocket question for them, to learn from. Um, in fact, Micah, gosh, mm -hmm. seven years ago, six years ago, went through transition, moving out of a young adult ministry in North Dakota, taking a bold step of obedience into Minnesota. That's how we met. Mm -hmm. And just a year ago, we took a step of obedience, transitioning out of all that we knew, all that I had known for the past seven years, um, mm -hmm. leading a young adult ministry and transitioned into a new role. And so, if you can just walk us through Carson, like what was it like leading a young adult movement? And obviously you're still doing it. It just looks different. And what, it, can you even just summarize some of what you saw God do the past three years? Yeah, no, I'd love to. Um, and it, and it has been, I, I, I want to be upfront. It, it's difficult. I think transition for anybody listening, transition, especially in leadership is difficult because what you've always known and what you've grown accustomed to and even found comfort in can change so drastically where you really have to hold tight to the Lord and you have to hold tight to what um, he's brought you through. And so for me, um, you know, I'm 24 now and I turned 24 this summer, but 
when we began leading um, So Young Adults and a lot of the young adult ministry that we were funneling through um, colleges and local churches and kind of on the coastline, you know, I was 20 or 21 years old. And I mean, even now, 24, I feel like it's pretty young, but some days I feel like I'm getting old, you know, but it's, uh, it's, it, it's crazy when you think like 20, 21 years old. And I, I would love to throw in this too, for those listening that, you know, we, we love social media and we gain quick influence on social media in today's world. And if you're a part of that, you understand the dangers of that. And you understand the, the dangerous territory of, leadership via social media and having eyes on what you're doing. So I'd like to throw in there for me, the transition um, and kind of that upbringing of like, man, being 20 and 21, being a little bit selfish, um, really liking this idea of leading young adult ministry. And then through that, God really maturing my heart and maturing my roots and giving us just the gift of, of leading, you know, two, three, 400 people, um, over a few months of time and being able to baptize people in Jesus name and being able to go on campus and go along the beach and be able to discuss and create and um, create hangouts. And it's been so amazing for me because it was something I never imagined. God had imagined it for me and I stepped into that by his grace and through obedience. But I think so. this transition time that we speak on, you know, now we stepped away um, from the ministry that God had birthed in us. I mean, soul had been birthed through my life at 20 and 21 years old. And it was one of the best things that ever happened to me, but also one of the most difficult things um, of leading. And, uh, but I found my wife through that. I found some of my greatest friends and confidants, people that are incredible um, accountability partners for my, my spiritual life. But, you know, as I am 24 and I've been married 10 months, I've got an incredible wife, you know, she's been leading. Yeah. Yeah. Erin, she's awesome. So she's been leading soul with us, um, for a year or two. And so now as we've transitioned into this season of God, we truly believe um, that we heard from you a few months back to step away from what we had known for so long and to hand it off to you. Not that anything that happened, not that our hearts were warped, but we truly just needed to worship you by, by being obedient to what you had called us to. And, and that was just, I mean, I can't even express to y'all through a podcast um, how hard it's been to give up what you feel like Hey, was yours and was birthed in you. And then, you know, two, three, four years later um, of everything you had seen God do, it's like, Hey God, we're going to give this back to you and we're going to trust for new ground and new provision. And so I just want to encourage anybody, you may be in a similar season or feel similar movements of, you know, God kind of tapping on this door of sure obedience and trusting with sure provision when you really can probably see nothing. Um, I know I can speak on behalf of my wife and for us together and some of our team, it's like, all right, God, we, we see nothing, but we're going to trust you because it's your character. That's good. And you've always been a great God and you're going to continue to be a great God. And it doesn't matter where you take us. We're going to trust the character of Jesus. And, uh, that's what we've done. That's where we're at. It's been an incredible ride, but our heart is for 18 to 30 year olds. I'll finish it with this our hardest for 18 to 30 year olds. We believe and we believe in prayer that, um, you know, God hears the desires of our hearts and our desire um, is to see movement and to lead through this young twenties, this new generation um, and to bring them to Jesus and to uplift them in leadership and an influence in a fresh way. And so we believe that's going to be our next step where it's going to be. Um, I, I don't know. And what it's going to look like, I still don't know, but uh, we're expecting that God's going to place us somewhere 
and and through this obedience and his grace he's going to put us somewhere that is going to be special Carson, I think that's awesome. That just gives everybody, I think, encouragement to realize that no matter where we are at or going to be, there's going to be transition and to be fully Mm. set on what God has for us and to believe that, yes, he did birth something in us and it came into existence, but he's asking us to give that baby up to take some maybe even bigger responsibility or a bigger mantle or a bigger platform or bigger calling. And bigger isn't always better when I say that. I'm just saying our heart is in the right place in the process of transition. And when that does happen, I think that God, when he trusts us with the small things, he is going to bless us and give us the bigger things. So we're just believing that with you and the transition of you and Aaron and just your guys' obedience and you have something to say, Josiah? Well, and I just want to say, Carson, thank you so much for your vulnerability mm-hmm. and transparency and just honesty of saying like, hey, this is what we were doing and this is the jersey we used to wear and this is how people used to identify us or this is how we used to yeah. be. But right now, we don't know and we don't know what's next. And I just want to say thank you so much for sharing that because I've been there. Mike has been there. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that um, it's transition is a part of the process of following Jesus. We're always in transition, constant transition. And even in this season in 2019, 2020, across the nation, I'm seeing a lot of transition. We are seeing a lot of transition in young adult ministry specifically from people who've led ministries for a long time and they're stepping into the mantle of what God has next. And then that means Mm -hmm. that there's a new wave of people who Mm -hmm. are going to be called and chosen for such a time as this to take over those ministries. And so finding our identity in Christ and not in a job description, not in a role, not in a title is huge. And Mm -hmm. it is so um, significant. And the, the book that helped me the most was called Anonymous by Dr. Alicia Bricholi. She's episode one of this season two. And I'd encourage you guys to go back and listen to episode one of season two with Dr. Choley because caring for our soul as a leader is something that we might feel anonymous. We might feel obscure, but if we do during transition, we're in good company because Jesus went through the same thing. And so that's all I have to say about that. But Carson, thanks so much for going there. And Carson, you know, thank you guys. Of course. And Carson, you had mentioned that you are just, you and your wife are very passionate about the 18 to 30 year old. And a a lot of people could be on a college campus leading a Chi Alpha or a crew or inner varsity or some form of campus ministry. But what we're seeing is not a lot of young adults are getting connected with the local church in that process. Um, How would you describe or how would you share or would you be willing to share with us how um, how did you connect a young adult ministry to a college campus? Like, what did that look like for you guys in the past? Yeah, no. Um, and I think that's a great question because I, you know, I did something over these past three or four years that I think um, it gained me wisdom quicker than doing it a different way. And, and the way that I was able to gain some, some quicker wisdom was to sit with older leaders and pastors around my city pretty often. And it was lunch, it was coffee, it was something, it was just good talks, good laughs, but it was sitting with older men and women of God around the city 
um, who were leading churches or leading different movements. Maybe it wasn't something with college in 18 to thirties, but they, they had seen God do great things in the city and they knew a lot more than I did. And I think, you know, that's one thing just to say on this podcast is if you're in a place as a young leader, you know, I told you guys, I started at 2021 and I'm now only 24, but if you get in this scary place of, well, we're doing something so fresh and so new and so creative. So there's no need for me to talk to anybody that's 10 or 15 years older than me, then you're probably in a really, really dangerous spot. Um, because you've chosen not to, to seek out that wisdom and that counsel that scripture tells us to. And I think it's very easy for all of us, especially working with college students and being young people, um, you know, pride is easy. And um, I think we just can't allow that pride to get to us when we're trying to connect. Uh, we have to be willing to ask and to listen and to sit with people and to hear out where we can step into and then, and then listen to the spirit of God for creativity. But for us, it was one, it was that. It was just sitting with, with older men and women of God around the city and saying, how can we connect in a way that wouldn't just parachute us into a city and into a campus and doing our own thing, but where we could move in here and do what we believe God had called us to do, but also by pushing young adults and college students into local churches so that when, when Carson's gone and when Aaron's gone and when the team is gone, that they can still be on their own two feet and still be listening into the local church and still be leaning into the spirit of God. And I think that's, that's my follow-up to the third point is if we're going to be able to, and if we long to um, connect young people to local churches, um, then we have to support our local churches. And I think the best way to, to funnel in, um, you know, our thing and our hangouts and our creativity is to work with leadership throughout the city. Now, I didn't do this perfect and we didn't do this perfect via leadership, but the goal of, of raising up something like Soul Young Adults, or the goal of raising up your new ministry or your new thought is not so that you can get a bigger platform. It's not so that you can reach more people. And I know that sounds a little weird for me to say that, but the goal is to plug people into Jesus. And then hopefully they're going to see life through the lens of the local church. And so your thing, and I'm experiencing that right now, guys, I mean, your thing may not last, but Jesus and the local church should last. Yeah. And so if we're plugging people um, more into our thing than we are Jesus, his word and the church, then what we're going to see as a failure in the long term is we gathered up a lot of people, but they really weren't connected to the source of life, Jesus and his church. Man, Carson, that's loaded. That is dynamic. <laughs> Look at Like, I, I believe everything you just said is significant for us to just check into our heart from gaining wisdom from the counsel of many, mm -hmm. asking mm -hmm. people, uh, humbling ourselves before great leaders and just saying, hey, you've been where I feel God is calling me. How do I press in? And gaining wisdom and understanding through mentorship is something we should all do. And similarly, connecting college ministries, young adult ministries with the local church, Christ's bride is right. amazing. It's such a powerful opportunity and it's mandatory if we're gonna see things outlast ourselves and i think that's a yeah. goal for leader is that it wouldn't just be about us but it would be about the name of jesus and his church and so carson at the same time one of the things that i've, I've just seen and you actually touched on it is that 
God has blessed you and your wife, Erin, with tremendous influence on social media. Mm-hmm. And there's falls to social media. There's a danger zone, but there's also this area that this is a space that is dark and can be used for God's glory and to shine hope and the light of Jesus through social media. And as young leaders, I think one of the things we would do well to learn from you, Carson, on is how have you done that? Shine the light of Jesus through social media to the next generation. Yeah. Um, man, and it is it's something I think this is a great thing to ask me, particularly right now. Um, it, it's been a it's been a heavy week. There's been a lot going on on social media. Um, you know, I, I've experienced a lot this past week. And I was listening to a podcast. Uh, I want to throw this out there. I'm a big Florida Georgia Line music fan. They're a country music band. I don't know if anybody knows them, but um, but Florida Georgia Line. Um, Tyler Hubbard is the lead singer um, and his wife, Haley Hubbard. Um, they're, they're big Christians, people who love Jesus um, publicly, very outspoken and bold about that. But she was doing a podcast and me and my wife were listening to her this past week. She was doing a podcast out of Nashville and they asked her about social media and the, the light that they're able to shine. And they shine a big light for the Lord. And her first response was, well, if I'm being honest, I really don't like social media. And, um, I, like, I, I just, I'm a very like honest person. So I think for me, like, I kind of, I, I recognize that and I kind of felt it in myself of like right now in my life, I've struggled. Um, it's crazy. Like a guy like me, I've had influence for years and years, but I think the more influence you gain and the more that you wrestle with it, you begin to see like how poisonous it can be to your character and how poisonous it could be to our culture right now. Um, I mean, Christianity is very, very mainstream online. Um, and the direction I want to go with this is not negative, but I do, I just wanted to speak like for me right now, if you were to ask me, social media is very hard for me to get a grip on. Um, I don't believe it's something that I struggle with highly or me and my wife struggle with highly, um, character wise, but I think we see the flaws of it. We see the flaws in ourselves, Um, and it's hard to kind of stand on that platform sturdy, um, to shine a light and to go about our business daily. And so when I had heard that from Haley Hubbard, who has a lot bigger voice than me, um, she, she paused and she said, well, I don't, I don't necessarily hate it, but I think for me and my husband over the past four or five months, we have tried to keep just a, a pulse, um, on our social life and tried to say, okay, what needs to be posted and what doesn't need to be posted and what's going to honor Christ and what doesn't honor Christ. And, um, she said that they struggle with just even, even getting online for a while. And so I'll finish up what I've seen. Um, is, is the right way in a way of integrity. Um, and I think a healthy way is, I think you just got to keep a pulse on, um, and for, for Carson, for what I've seen, um, especially at a young age, you've got to keep a pulse on how much you want to do that versus spend time with friends and family and how much you want to shine this big light. But I, I think you got to backtrack and Josiah, you'll hear me on this. So we were at that mentoring day with Lou Giglio. Um, and I'll never forget, we talked a lot about influence and social media. And he said, I think when you post anything and when you do anything and when you do podcasts and when you put stuff out and when you film a video, anything that you do and you say that you're shining your light for Christ on social media, all you have to ask is the word, why? Why'd you do this? Yep. Why'd you post it? Why, why, why is your face plastered all over this? Why'd you put that scripture up? And, and again, not to be disrespectful, but I think a very stern 
is what Luis said. You have to, you have to say, why, why am I doing this? And I think that's what I found myself doing um, in my recent life. I think for people that have kept up with me over the years, I used to post a lot more. I used to be a lot more engaged. Um, I think, uh, as, as you guys would hear me on this marriage teaches you a lot. <laughs> marriage oh, yeah. matures you a lot. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, either, either in marriage, you, you mature quickly or it's going to be destructive for you. So it's, uh, it's tough. I mean, you, you, you're learning a lot and you're learning, I think how to, and I'm a selfish person. I'm very prideful apart from Christ. And, and I've recognized that in myself. And so with, with my new transitions of life, um, also added with my social media life um, has taught me how prideful I can be and how selfless I actually need to walk. And if I really want to look like Jesus and if I really want to influence the world and shine my light on my big social media platform, then I really need to look like Jesus. Then if I'm going to put a spotlight out there, I don't need to be spotlighting Carson and then trying to spotlight Jesus too. And I had heard that recently from a very sharp guy. He said, Hey, if we're at this point of, we want to glorify Jesus on social media while at the same time glorifying ourselves just a little bit too. That's not Jesus. And um, I have found myself doing that. I think if you're listening and you really want to take a hold of your social media life and, and truly use it for Christ, be honest with yourself. Ask yourself why, because I, I think I tend to, and we tend to, we want to elevate Jesus, but we like to elevate us too. And um, I think if we're going to elevate Jesus in the best of ways, um, then we're going to die to self and we're going to decrease. So that's what I've been learning. I know that's a mouthful, but um, a social media is hard. Uh, Jesus is a lot better and uh, a selfless attitude is a lot better. Yes, because Carson, I'm glad that you went there uh, and brought up just the Louis Giglio mentoring day, because that's how you and I met is we crossed yeah. paths in the break. And I've been just really um, inspired by how for Louis, for years, everything points to the glory of God. I think every sermon he mm -hmm. talks about how great and majestic God is, and he never talks Amen. about how awesome he is. And I think that's why I'm drawn to him most. And to hear him say that question that you just brought up, Carson, of like, hey, for Micah and I, we'll actively correspond and use social media but we kind of eat the meat and spit out the bones. Like I don't have social media push notifications to my phone. I check my app by opening it when I want to, or when I need to, or when I go to post something, because I want to be a light. I want to be present on that because I feel like that's one small mm -hmm. thing God's called me to, but I don't want it to dominate my life. And then asking this question that Louis Gitio asked, uh, Pastor Louis, and asking this question that you just brought up, why did I post that? So vital and so important. And so, man, I, I think that that's something that we all need to hear. And really thankful that you shared that, Carson. Yeah, Carson, I, I want to talk to you even about something fun that's happening in your life. Aside from the transition that you're going through, uh, we know that you wrote a book. And that's, yeah. that's an incredible undertaking. Ooh. So congratulations on yeah. that. And the name of it's called Born For It. Yep. Uh, so will you share with us and our audience what inspired you to write it and what is the message inside this book? Yeah, so no, thank you for that intro. Um, it's crazy. I think like even, even hearing those words 
Um, and even I was at the Barnes and Noble um, somewhere the other day. Maybe I was in Nashville. And uh, me and my wife, you know, we always just do that. It's fun. I know that sounds so like, kind of sounds arrogant, but you know, it's, it's kind of like a, a child, you know, you like walk into a bookstore and you see like your book with your name on it. It has not gotten old to me. I mean, and, and not in a way of like, it swells me up, but it's just like, Oh my gosh, like that's, that's me. Like I put my heart and soul into that. And like, God, God gave me that. And I've uh, a lot of people don't know this. Cause I'm, I think if you were to look at me, you're like, Oh, this guy's a, he's a jock and he, he probably doesn't read or write, but <laughs> over time, um, man, I've just, I, I love words. I love literature. I love reading. I love writing. Um, I love like digging deep into a topic and, and really thinking through something. And so like publishing a book has truly, and people will say this, but I'm, I'm dead straight. I mean, has just been something that has been on my heart for so long. Um, I remember telling um, my literature teacher, I did like a special literature class, um, when I was 17, actually during my injury. And I remember saying, Hey, coach Cochran, before I'm 25 years old, I'm going to publish a book and I'm going to give you one. And I actually got to do that. So that's been pretty cool. Wow. But onto the book, um, I just was spitballing a little bit. It's been, it's been awesome. I think, you know, I'll say this for, for this podcast and for you guys and for those listening, the truth is I wrote born for for young adults. I mean, flat out, I wrote this book and this 90 day Devo for my generation for the 18 to 30 year old now it's been it's been cool to see it go below 18 and above 30 and um i know you know some parents and some grandparents and people have gotten the book and just gone through it day to day but my heart for this and the meat of the book came from leading young adults from age 20 to 24 and seeing that they were going through financial struggle and seeing that they were having problems taking their dreams to God and taking their burdens to God. And they were struggling with and still struggling with, I mean, our generation were struggling with friendships and relationships and how to navigate a love life and how to give God all of us and how to read our Bible in a new and a fresh way and how to pray and how to leave old things and begin new things. And so all of those topics right there are discussed in the book on an everyday basis of, okay, here's, here's, here's the meat and here's the encouragement and here's the motivation for your day. But also here's, here's two or three scriptures to reference it. Here's where you can look at what Jesus is saying. And here's some way you can take notes and just kind of, um, for the lack of a better term, I just wanted born for it to be this, this kind of kick in the butt to our generation to say, Hey, God has birthed the spirit in you. If you put your faith in Jesus, then you've been sealed with the spirit of God. And that spirit in you um, has the ability to fan into flame the giftings that he's given you. And those are going to be very, very different. Um, I believe we all have this purpose to carry out, which is to make disciples of all nations and to honor and glorify God through that. But what we have and the giftings that we have for you guys and for me, they're very different. They're uniquely woven in eternity. And I think to be able to use that to get fired up, to say, hey, God has birthed something in you. So let's get going. So let's look in your heart. How are you doing? What are you up to? What's he doing in your life? Um, that's, that's what I want born for it to do. And, and that's why I, I wrote it for this generation. And I, I just pray that it's helping a lot of people, um, on an everyday faith journey. I love it. And I hope that listeners will take it, take a, just a second and check it out and give it a look, give it a read and maybe share this resource with their ministries and the, the young people that we lead, because truth be told, they are born for it. God has placed great greatness in the hearts of young people. And mm -hmm. there are dreamers, there are visionaries, there are people who are world changers and something like born for it can be 
something that can be the voice of God and help them take the next step towards the destiny that they were born for. And so, man, thank you for being obedient, taking a bold step of faith, Carson, and for writing a resource for our generation. And let's go one last place together. And that is the okay. five thoughts of five questions in five minutes. We call it the five and five. We really like this. Are you ready, Carson? Hey, I'm ready for it. Let's get it. He's stretching right now. I can, I can feel it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was getting ready. <laughs> so these are five questions, a little bit rapid fire, answers brief and to the point, and five questions. Here we go. First question, what has surprised you about working with college students and young adults in this generation the most? Ooh, okay. Um, a couple things with that. One is that I believe that this generation, young adults and college students are the most creative and passionate generation yeah. of all time. Truly believe that. But I think on the flip side of that, what has surprised me is how fearful we can be and how scared we can be of ourselves and to take that step. Uh, we have a lot of talent and we have a lot of gifting, but I think we're very afraid to be ourselves before God and before our world. And so I think authenticity is, is really the key to us and the key to our generation. Perfect. Question two, what is your favorite event that you've ever done? Oh my goodness. Ooh, um, this may just be, y'all just got me at the right time, but I think the best event and favorite thing that I've been a part of was um, a Christmas party that we were able to host um, this past Christmas for Soul Young Adults at a coffee bar. It was packed out. Uh, we were able to baptize um, 10 or 15 people, a few of those people right on the spot. Oh and I believe like 10 or 15 people also um, professed Jesus for the very first time. It was just packed. It was a lot of emotion. It was a lot of team. It was a lot of like hands. And I think like the success that I speak of and why it was my favorite is it was just so emotional and so full of the Holy Spirit that it just, it just wrecked me as a leader and it wrecked me of what God was doing in and around my friends and family and city. And uh, I loved it so much. That is incredible. And this will be a loaded question. The next one, because of the way you just answered it, we see life change. I think that's one of the greatest privileges. And it's actually the why behind what we do is seeing people encounter Christ and surrender their lives, get baptized, take bold steps of faith, of obedience and grow in him. But Carson, do you have a favorite story of life change that you'll share with us? Ooh, yes. So, um, there's a few people that have been involved in my life. Um, with soul and, and with our young adults and with coastal Carolina and Myrtle beach and just everything I've gotten to be a part of for the past few years. And, um, there was a couple of different gatherings that we did on the beach and also at a swimming pool of a popular, um, apartment complex where they host a lot of like crazy parties. Mm -hmm. And, uh, we had used the beach and we had used the pool, um, to baptize some people, but it wasn't necessarily on the spot. These were very like, these were just prime stories in a way of like we, we discussed and, we planned and we prepped, but there was a couple of these people that were just close to me in my life that I, I watched two of these guys. And also my wife who was baptized on the beach a couple of years back. Um, I think that was just incredible. I'll never forget that, but there was two guys that I got to be a part of their journey um, and their development discipleship. And I watched these guys sort of profess Jesus and then, and then draw back. And I watched them get wrecked in their life. And I watched some of these guys, great friends of mine, just, battle extreme addictions, um, battle drugs, battle alcohol in ways that were just, it was, it was a lot for them to handle. And, and over time, I think through the heart of community 
and through these gatherings that we did um, at the beach and also at this apartment pool, um, watch them go public in their faith, watch Jesus truly change their lives um, and change the trajectory of everything they were walking into. Um, those are super emotional moments for me. And that was just a couple different moments of, of men in my life that were close to me, guys in their young 20s. And uh, I got to be a part of that. So it's just been cool transformation stories. Carson, that's phenomenal and so fun to hear. And we know as leaders that we have ups and downs. We have highs and lows. We have um, pitfalls. We have the, the successes and the not so um, successful events. Um, but we love to ask every single leader this because <clears throat> if you're listening, if you haven't been here, you're going to be here because we're not perfect. This does and will happen to us just because. <laughs> so Carson, would you be willing to share one of your most epic failures that you've experienced in ministry thus far? Oh my gosh. There's we all so have many so many, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. I'll tell you one, like I, I'll, I'll get serious. I'll be the serious leader and then I'll be like the, the funny failure leader. Okay. Um, so I'll say for me, um, the first year, um, of leading, of leading young adults where we've been in the Carolinas, um, the very first year we built a, a leadership team around uh, seven or eight of us and, uh, we were all best friends. <laughs> and I, I laugh at that because it is not the thing to do y'all. If you're listening, you do not build your leadership team around your best friends. You build it around the people that need to be there. And that's not always your best friends. And, uh, I think my failure as a leader was doing that. And then I was, I was leading in a very arrogant and prideful way because I kind of thought that I was the leader of the group and the person to look through and look to. And I think for me, it taught me a lot. It, it wrecked some of my friendships. It changed the, the vision of the leadership for soul over time. But that was, that was the first year um, of our leadership and just having everybody be great friends, but also trying to make, major decisions for the Lord um, and having all these different personalities. It was not the brightest idea. And I see it kind of as one of my biggest failures, but, but God humbled me over time and uh, it's been cool. And I think more so we can laugh about it, but now I'll tell y'all something that's really funny. Um, as a leader, we hosted a huge Halloween event. Um, and when I say huge, it was, it was one of the biggest events that we had hosted um, in the past few years. And this was at a building close by coastal Carolina university in Myrtle beach and we had just planned it so, so big. I mean, we were just going all out. And I am that guy. I like taking risks. I like being bold. I like just saying, let's go for it. And then clean up the mess later if there's a mess. <laughs> for this moment in time, we, we knew people were coming. We knew crazy costumes were going to be worn. We knew, and, and I don't know, I, I'm kind of laughing about this. I know people have different views on Halloween, but I'll just say we were trying to get people together, utilize the holiday and see people meet Jesus. Cause we did an altar call and people did meet Jesus. But the funniest part of this was the, the building. It was probably about 45 minutes into it. Um, some of, some of the leaders around me and some of my friends were like, Hey, uh, I just don't think this building's going to be big enough. And me being me, I'm like, Oh no, we're fine. Like it's going to be, crowd this room over there and, and you know as a leader you just kind of start saying this is what's going to happen and God's just going to bless it and that's what you're believing and uh, man I kid y'all not it got so packed in there number one it was hot oh it was so hot and then number two um, at one moment you just I mean it was just like everything broke loose as you start hearing fire trucks the fire alarm goes off <laughs> um, sprinklers are like 
you know, going down over people and um, everybody's, you know, in these crazy costumes and face paint and all this. And so we had um, this huge deal on our hands where you have a couple hundred people, um, young adults here to, to have a party and to eat food and to hopefully meet Jesus. And you've got three, four, five um, fire trucks, police cars, whatever outside. It just, uh, we were getting calls from the, the complex, the apartment complex that we were renting out and they were, what, what the heck is going on here? And so I think just to be funny as a leader, uh, one of those failures was we did not prepare and plan that building in Jesus name to withhold and withstand um, all of these kids. <laughs> oh my word. <clears throat> that is crazy. And uh, <clears throat> you know, we, we live and you learn. And yep. so, Carson, thanks for going there, man. Uh, last question okay. for the young person, for the, the leader, maybe the college pastor, young adult ministry leader, they might be struggling right now. They might be starting in ministry. They might be starting over might be strengthening a ministry or feel called to a sustaining season. If you could leave ministry leaders of this demographic with one thing today, what would you leave them with? Mm. I think many, many things condensed into one is to get comfortable with who you are not. Get comfortable with who you are not. Um, and so on the flip side of that, you know, I think what you'll hear is, is be you, be yourself, be authentic, but, the best way that I've heard it put, because I did not come up with that, but I, I've heard that for the past year or two, and it's just stuck with me because I think we, as leaders right now, um, if you're honest with yourself and in the, the social media influential world of, of leadership and seeing, you're getting to see everybody's ministry from afar, right? Mm -hmm. You know, you're getting to peer into what people are doing. You get to see their stories, you see their Snapchats, you get to, you get to really see a lot of it. And, you know, the burden of that is feeling like you aren't the leader that you're supposed to be. Um, I think the danger and the poison of that is you have to feel like, well, they got those leadership giftings. They got the movement that looks like this. They got the resources and the tools that look like that. And I didn't receive those things. And if we're not careful, I think we fail to become content and comfortable and, and who God has made us to be. And so that's why I say that little phrase of get comfortable as a young leader right now, get comfortable with who you're not. If you're not that type of guy, then so what? You're not that type of guy. If you're not that type of girl, then so what? That's not who you are. And if you're not as organized and you're not as organized, but maybe you're a lot bolder, maybe you're a lot more fearless. Um, maybe you're really meticulous and, and you love the details. Maybe you don't. I, I know those are a lot of different things, but I think as leaders right now, what I want us to leave with is be you. Like, what has God gifted you in? What are you just not good at? Go ahead and say, hey, you know what? I'm not good at that. I might, I might could learn that. But for some of us, there's some things. I mean, y'all know it. And it's kind of funny. I mean, there's some things that for y'all too and for myself, we will never be good at. Like, just mm -hmm. never, ever going to be good at it. And uh, we have to be able to give that to other people so that they can lead in a great way and honor God through that. But what has God given me? And what can I com become comfortable in? Hey, this is what Carson's gifted in as a leader. And I'm just going to be that. I'm going to be Carson. And uh, I'm, I'm going to watch my life. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give God glory through it. 
We love that. Carson, we are so thankful for you and just your authenticity and just your creativity and your willingness to join us today. And we just want to say thank you. What a great conversation we've had. And thank you so much for joining us. And if you want to find more out about not only Jesus Christ, but also Carson check out his book, Born For It, when you connect with us on our website at youngadults.today, as well as any other social media platform across the, across the board at youngadults.today. Until next time, this is Micah and Josiah Canaling hosting youngadults.today. Judge up right now, yeah.